0: You're listening to the Sound On Sight Game of Thrones podcast. This week we discuss the reigns of Castamere, so there'll be plenty to talk about. I'm I'm certain. And joining us to talk about this episode is David Fiore from Sound On Sight. We will be right back after this. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Sound On Sight Game of Thrones podcast. I am TV editor Kate Kalsic, and I'm joined by our fearless leader, uh, Ricky D, general editor. General editor.
1: Hello, Kate. Hello, everybody.
0: And uh, this week joining us is David Fiore. Now, did I say that right?
1: You did, indeed. Thank
0: Excellent. you. Excellent. Welcome to the show, David.
2: Oh, I'm really happy to be here. I've been enjoying listening to the to the show for the past, you know, couple years.
0: So. Well, you picked a good episode to discuss, but as we always say at the beginning of these podcasts, no spoilers, I've read the books, but I will not be getting anything from the books that is not in these episodes. Ricky has not read the books. David, what's your relationship with the Game of Thrones book series?
2: I have read the books, yes. I read them all, um, I guess, yeah, pretty much right before the show started as well. And I had started writing a fantasy novel and thought I should read some fantasy novels, so... <laughs> and I got really into them.
0: That's a good reason, that's a good reason. Uh, now, did you know, when you uh, requested to to come on for this episode, did you know, then, did you have a sense of that this would be the Red Wedding episode?
2: Uh, I guess I felt maybe 90% sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you never know. I mean, maybe I thought... Yeah, it seemed like I mean the pattern's been that the ninth episode would be the most dramatic episode, and it seemed almost no question that it would have to be the red wedding that would be the most dramatic episode of this season. So, yeah, I was expecting this. Yeah, Yeah.
0: (laughs) I I was expecting it to be for based on the titles. I was expecting it actually to be the George R. R. Martin episode was going to be the red wedding. Um which right. is why I hyped it, Ricky. <laughs> and then um and I was expecting them to put the bear in there. I don't know why. I should have thought about it better, but um that that was what I was expecting. And so then when we didn't get it then, I was like, Oh wait, when are they gonna do it? And they pulled the trigger here. So I guess because I'd like to start with Ricky, because David and I had a sense of what was coming. How mm-hmm. did this episode work for you? What was your experience watching? And this is this has been the event that really All the book readers have been hyping since they started, since they picked up the series. Um, Did we overhype it for you or did it live up to the expectations that we might have created for you?
1: Okay, well, first of all, I don't know about the hype because I haven't really spoken to anybody in two weeks leading up to this episode. A lot of people hyped up episode seven and a little bit of episode eight, but no one really talked about episode nine. But keep Mm -hmm. in mind, I stay away from Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. On Sunday evenings, actually on Sunday period, and <laughs> even early Mondays, because I'm just fed up of people spoiling things to the point where now there's been several film critics who have closed the comments on their reviews, including Seppinwal well at HitFix, because people have been spoiling the show for about for like you know the whole entire season, uh, especially on Twitter and stuff, which I find really annoying, and that's why. No offense, guys, but Game of Thrones book readers, you guys are the worst, like the worst, (laughs) because you guys spoil the fuck out of everything. And I'm sorry, that's just not right and not cool. Um, So I went into this episode not really expecting what we got. Uh, I knew it was going to be a good episode because it's episode nine. But holy shit, Kate, I'm going to lose my shit on this podcast. Like, (laughs) holy shit. This was brutal. It was brilliant. I honestly think, and of course, I have to remind people that this is my own personal opinion. I feel stupid saying that, but I think I have to remind people. But it's my opinion that this is one of the best. No, probably the best hour of television I've seen in maybe two years since one of the best episodes of Breaking Bad in season three. This episode was brilliant. You know, last week or two weeks ago when we when we reviewed episode eight, we had a lot of feedback from listeners. Thank you so much, guys. It's so nice to know there's so many people who are listening to us. Um, but, you know, two weeks ago we talked about how much we care about these characters, and there's just so many characters to follow that we sometimes have to ask, as people that haven't read the book, are we emotionally invested in some of these people? And the reason why I think this episode is so brilliant was come the end of the episode, I had tears in my eyes. I I, I don't know. It's like I didn't realize how much I cared about the Stark family until I watched this episode. I, I don't even know where to start. I mean, this episode was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Uh, God, like, I'm going to have to, like, just pause right now because otherwise I'm going to talk for, like, 20 minutes straight. But <laughs> seriously, uh, you know, Richard Madden and Michelle Fairley, props to them. They did an amazing job throughout the whole entire series. But last night's episode, that was some of the best acting I've seen on on the on the whole entire series so far from the beginning of the run. Like, this Episode works for so many, so many reasons. I mean, her performance in the end was heartbreaking. I mean, there was so much foreshadowing throughout the whole entire episode, like, especially when Aria looks over with fear at the horizon towards the home, the house of Frey, and the hound says that she's scared because the closer she gets to what she finally wants, you know, the closer she gets to finally being reunited with her family, the more afraid she is because she fears like it won't happen like it's too good to be true and that's exactly what happened god just the fact that you know we all love Arya and she got so close to meeting her family and being reunited with her mom and rob and almost almost dying alongside of them i mean holy shit this episode was amazing
0: <laughs> well i'm glad that it did uh live up to all of the Oh, my God, guys, we just have to get to season three because book three is awesome. I'm glad it lived <laughs> up to that for you, Ricky. David, how about you?
2: It really did. Yeah. I mean, uh, of course, the difference in medium changes the way these things come across to you. I mean, it's when you read the section in the book that deals with these events, it's uh I mean, it plays out, it seems like forever. It feels like almost half the book is about that uh, scene, and it's such a slow, creeping... Like, it's going on for 10s for and 20 and 30 pages. You know, you're like, is everyone going to die here, or is everything going to be absolutely fine? Like, you're never sure until right near the end, I find. Um, and here it just sort of... It kind of ambushes you more quickly, I guess, in the show. And I, I mean, it has to. It you know, it all takes place so quickly. But um, but yeah, I think they did an amazing job of of uh, translating it to the screen and really conveying the you know the real sadness of uh, and and like yeah, you feel just this betrayal and you. I mean, even more than that, though, more than the impact of, to the Starks. I mean, because I like to think of the show as a as a drama about politics as well i mean i guess everybody does but like in this case uh it's not just a personal tragedy for house stark but it's a it's a sort of you know meditation or you know it's it's a real thorough and and uh unsentimental look at how political houses rise to power like for all we know the starks did the same thing to some other house like Ten thousand years ago like has fry or fray is going to be really important from now on and so are the boltons right so
1: can i ask you guys a question in the mm-hmm. book is there a moment that's written on paper where they explain the scene in which the phrase close the doors to the hall and then the music starts playing because as soon as the music starts playing it's not just the expression of caitlin's face which was by the god like amazing like her performance again but when the music changes and we get that song the reigns of castellamere Mm -hmm. it's like right away us the viewers we know something's wrong, (laughs) right yeah I, i don't know if like i'm trying to i'm trying to picture myself as a reader of the book like how it would feel like reading this specific wet red wedding sequence because the thing is when i was watching the episode right it's like, you see, you hear the music and the first thing I think is like, holy shit, they're going to kill somebody. And I was, uh, you know, I wasn't sure, you know, who they would kill, but I was like certain something bad would happen. And then you see the expression on Caitlyn's face. But then I was like, wait a minute, maybe she's just sensing Aria. Like she feels mm-hmm. like daughter is getting closer to her. But then her expression looked a little off. Like she looked really worried. So I was like, what exactly is happening here? Like, is she getting a sense that something terrible is going to happen or that something great is going to happen? So I'm just wondering, like, in the actual book, do they reference the music?
0: Yes, they do very specifically mm-hmm. because, the, of course, The Reigns of Castamere is, you know, a, it's a minstrel song, right? That's something that if there's somebody who's, who's going to a court to try to be a musician, that's one of the songs that they would know. It's very, very closely, of course, associated with House Lannister. It's basically their song. And so the fact that the musicians play the reins of Castamere, they should never be playing the song. <laughs> uh, this, this is a song that, as it was explained to us last week, very effectively, I thought, is a song that is all about how another house uh, tried to take on House Lannister so they were completely destroyed and wiped from the earth. That is what the song is about. And so as soon as the musician, the viol player starts playing the Reigns of Castamere, Catelyn's, you know, her her spidey senses up because there's no reason that would ever be played at a Stark wedding, especially during the middle of a war with them.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out, because I know they referenced it last week, so mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if in the book it was actually... Yes. It actually took place in the wedding, you it's, know what I mean? Because, at the because... end,
0: it's the trigger, it's like the cue for, a, hey, yeah. it's time to kill everybody. When you hear Reigns of Castamere, shit's on.
1: <laughs> okay, okay.
0: And that's one of the things the show has done really well, is make the audience aware of that. You know, it, and because it was they knew it was coming up and it was going to or had the potential to be a really effective moment during the Red Wedding. They they seeded it last week. They played it, of course, in that triumphant moment for Jamie as he saves Brienne from the bear. They brought it up last season at Blackwater. So they they've they've really made this this piece of music a very integral part to their world. That's something that they did, have done really successfully. They've done it this season with the bear and the maiden fair as well. Um, and so that's you know that's one of those things. Every time it popped up, there's a little back part of my brain going, "Oh, it's gonna be awesome when they do it at the wedding." and then it was
1: okay but kate i need to ask okay when rob's queen is stabbed repeatedly in the belly with the unborn child right how did you react because i know you have like you're the type of person where you don't like watching horror films or things that are really graphic on screen was was it too bloody for you to watch it
0: oh no uh and that's actually that's a change from the book because of course we've talked before about how Talisa is very different than her, that character, the character that is the wife in the book. And in the book, we don't know that she's pregnant. There are some, you know, theories, pan theories that maybe the character was pregnant, but she's never uh, announced as pregnant to any of the other characters in the book. And she doesn't die. in 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 the uh in the book so it's you know as soon as as soon as she was the character was pregnant the last week or a couple weeks ago it was like oh they're gonna have to kill her too or else there's a huge divergence from the book so i was not surprised at all by that
1: (laughs) okay And, and i just gotta say when caitlin gets her throat cut and we cut the credits and it's dead silent, brilliant. Brilliant! Like, brilliant. (laughs) Even the credit sequence is brilliant. (laughs) Like, holy shit, I love this episode. I'm like, this was... The combination of, of dread and the brutal, unflinching ways that they go about murdering the Stark family and their friends was just, I, uh, God, I can't get over it. Like, I could not sleep last night. I kept on thinking about this episode and Caitlin's desperate plea, the way she's begging to save Rob's life, like, as if he's actually going to let Rob go. But she's so desperate, I don't know, for anything, like, she's crying and begging. And then her bluff being called when she pulls his wife and she says she's going to slice her throat. But she ends up killing her anyways, because at that point in time, she's already lost everything. Like, for all she knows, every single one of her sons is dead. They're at least missing. She doesn't know what's going on with her daughters. She's lost everything and she actually kills somebody who's technically sort of like an innocent. And again, Michelle Fairley's fantastic performance, the way she captures the horror and her edge of desperation, anguish like wow <laughs> yeah
0: well and that sets her apart as a tully not a stark ned wouldn't have killed the wife and and neither would have rob or many of the other starks mm-hmm. but she's in her heart she's a tully and i thought that was interesting um the the yeah the, the performance for michelle Fairley is fantastic the the silent credits was i think very A very wise decision, just because anybody who didn't know what was coming, and even those of us who did, that is a shocking amount of violence. And you just need some, you need some time to process. You know (laughs) the way that it was staged and handled at the end of the episode. So giving viewers just that little time to start breathing again was was fantastic. And I wanted to just say, oh, you know, this is what this is one of those things where. Like um, a few weeks ago, when we have all all those scenes with with just uh, Rob and uh, Talisa just kind of sitting around, and Talisa's <laughs> like, "I'm not gonna put on clothes," and it's just them talking <laughs> about their relationship, and and uh, the non-book readers are going, "Why is this even in the episode?" There have been a few different times over the course of the season where they've really spent some extra time trying to get you invested in in these people, these characters, and. I think that was such a wise decision because now we get to this point, and it's if, apparently it seems to have really paid off for people that that little extra time getting to invest and know about these people, the 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 Starks specifically, has really benefited this episode. And the last thing I'll say, I do want to throw it back over to David. I keep talking, but um. I didn't get a chance to watch this last night. I watched it this morning because I had some family things going on. And it has been so fun to watch the reaction, to just go through my Twitter feed and find, you know, (laughs) 10 p.m. Eastern, just like the explosion of... (laughs) It was, oh man, it was so much fun to watch the people as they experienced that. Oh, it's wonderful.
1: <laughs> unless unless they spoiled something in their tweet or headline.
0: Well, yes, yeah. then that's clearly that person is not cool and they should not be doing that. But
1: well, Well, the worst is people writing reviews and in the headline, it pretty much explains what is going to happen at the end of the episode. And my advice to our listeners is do not read their reviews anymore and actually tell them I've stopped reading your work because you spoiled it for me because that's just wrong
0: yeah i i concur yeah so david do you have any other thoughts about the execution of of those those moments the um the 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 changes i thought it was very uh, i was very happy that at least that they cut it off where they did i'm hoping Mm -hmm. there's a certain um (laughs) surgery that uh we don't actually see on the show i don't even know if ricky could handle it Uh, um what what do you think
2: uh I yeah just in general responding to the what you're saying I mean I do think it there was you know the payoff to having more focus on Rob and and his you know his marriage and you know the hopes for that house. I mean it is very different from the way it's presented in the books cuz Rob is not a a point of view character and uh I never felt I guess I kind of felt like he was going to die in the books when I was reading it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um whereas viewers of the show who had no experience of the books probably didn't think he was gonna die, or maybe they did. Maybe, you know, I mean there is a clear echo here of what happened to Ned in some ways, although it's a lot more brutal in a lot of ways. <laughs> There's certainly a lot less preparation for it. But um the um just the uh I, in the, when I was reading the books, it was Catelyn that I was certainly not expecting to die. You know, I mean, she's the, in a lot of ways, she's the most aware character, in 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 the first three novels, and you kind of learn to, to trust her intuitions about things, even though you know, she's gonna, she's making some wrong decisions. You still. I don't know, I just felt like she was gonna be there till book seven, always sort of, you know, offering up interesting, unusual insights on, on situations and yeah, having her die like that was uh was quite rough and they gave her, you know, a, a very uh Catelyn like send off, which I think is was important for her to, to have that. You know, last chance to to burn more of that personality indelibly onto people's psyches, and yeah, I, I, to to kill for no reason at the end as she's going to die is uh, you know out, out of love for her son. I mean, it, <laughs> it really is. Yeah, that, yeah, I don't. I can't think of really any other characters in in a, in TV shows like her. You know. And, uh, like there are lots of characters like Rob and, but it's sad to see him go. And I, and I did, you know, I kind of liked the romantic comedy type stuff they were doing with, uh, with him and Talisa to some extent, even though I guess a lot of viewers did say, it did feel like maybe it was taking up too much time.
1: But, but, you know, uh, Kate, if you recall, I think on the last podcast, I was suspicious of his wife because of that bedroom sequence. I was like, why would they put this bedroom sequence like, you know,
3: <laughs> what is uh-huh. the
1: point? Is it just so we can see the actress like half naked or fully naked? And so I think it was actually in hindsight, like I think it's actually it was actually a good idea because in this episode, I just felt so incredibly bad, even doubting their mm-hmm. love or at least her love right. Rob Stark, which made it even more powerful. And at, at the beginning of the wedding sequence, like she even like has respect for the um, the Frey household that she doesn't even want him to kiss her. And towards the end, they finally, you know, slowly see them touch hands, and then he eventually, like, kisses her, embraces her, and it just be- made it even all oh, more so powerful. And also, at the beginning of the episode... Um, Rob Stark and his mom basically they they they're back on good terms. Yeah, and and in that opening sequence when he's playing with his like l- little uh you know chess pieces and his little like Game of Thrones Lego set whatever you want to call it, <laughs> right? I was just like that scene foreshadows exactly what's going to happen at the end of the episode because I think he says something on on the lines of like yeah well we can die has bad has Ned or even more terrible than Ned you know what I mean and she's like well then let's give them something. Or what did she say? She said...
0: Show them what it's like to have what they love taken away. Something like yes. that.
1: Right. Yeah. In that In that moment, it's like I knew something bad was going to happen, but I really did not see the extent of it. Like, I thought maybe his wife would just die or she would lose the baby. I had no idea that they would actually kill everybody. Did you guys ever watch that episode of Dynasty, The Wedding Massacre?
0: I'm familiar with oh. it, yes.
1: Okay, so the, for, for our listeners that don't know, Dynasty, like this very popular show, they had this wedding massacre, right? But the only difference is it was the last episode of the season. So uh, viewers had to wait like till the next year to find out who lived or died. The disappointing thing is that when the season, the next season started, you found out it was only minor characters that died and it doesn't have the emotional impact or weight of an episode like this in Game of Thrones where you have, you know, like hundreds of people dying, but yeah. two of the main characters in the show die in the most horrible ways possible and then if that's not enough kate okay this is where i'm gonna start losing my shitty you know what Grey i'm wind. saying right?
0: gray wind yep what yeah. like whoa! they killed the direwolf
1: they, they killed gray winds and i couldn't that's that's when i had tears in my eyes i couldn't stop crying like i'm sorry mm-hmm. i'm a sucker for dogs and i actually had tears in my eyes so now i'm like trying to count the direwolves right so, yeah. uh, Sansa and Rob's direwolves are dead now. Mm-hmm. I-, I think there's two traveling with the boys, and I'm
2: Nimeria's still at large somewhere.
1: That's Jon Snow's dog, right? No,
2: that's uh Aria's dog.
1: Okay, so then Jon Snow's dog's still, Snow,
2: away. yeah, Snow is
1: still out there too. Okay, yeah, Ghost, right. Ghost, right? Oh, sorry, yeah, <laughs> no, I do that
0: all the time too, actually. No, Ghost yeah. is, is um, last time we saw him, he was sort of. Staying nearby, the Night's Sam Watch, yeah. and Sam. Um, of course, that was before everything at Craster's place, yeah. and we have have not heard anything about Nymeria on the show at this no. point. Okay. No.
1: And uh, I was going to ask you, Kate, if you can actually talk about the sacred laws of hospitality, because I Mm -hmm. know people are are (laughs) discussing it online and it's apparently fleshed out in the books. But on the TV show, it was only sort of hinted. So from my understanding is that if you offer bread and salt and you eat in someone's home, they can't actually do any any harm to you, because if so, it's um, essentially sort of like a religious Mm -hmm. uh, abomination, I guess.
0: Yes, and that that that's based on actual medieval customs to some extent. the the notion being, and this is this is uh, given a lot more focus in in the book. In that, Catlin uh, is says several times when you know to rob beforehand, make sure you get that you eat the the salt and the bread. Make sure before you any we have a chance to piss him off. Make sure that. That 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 he offers it, and that we eat it right away, because then, and then then when they do, she's still a little on edge' because she does not trust Walter Frey, but she was a little calmer, she's like, okay, we're protected by hospitality, we should be fine. and so the fact that Walter Frey breaks that that oath of hospitality is a really big deal. And I do want to also mention that the red wedding is based because there was a interview with George R. R. Martin. I think it was on entertainment weekly yeah, talking it about it. And uh, the, the red wedding is actually based on two different historical events. So I thought that was interesting and, and really neat too, but that, you know, it's that sense that, and we get it very much from Catelyn in the book because she is a first, you know, point of view character and that we get that, sequence from her point of view and it's very much okay good we've had the salt we've had the bread so we should be safe
1: so so the house of frey will forever be marked as the breakers of one of the most sacred tra- traditions in Westeros great
2: yeah they're on like a kingslayer level i guess you know where yeah. they should be
1: they're like they're like below Kingslayer level. Like Lord Walder Frey, gotta hate that guy. That guy is a, <laughs> he's a pig. He's a cachon, as they call it in French. That guy needs to die. Like as soon as I saw that dude show up, I was like, oh shit, something bad's gonna happen. Like he's the most disgusting character in the show. Like he makes Joffrey look like Donald Duck. Okay, I do not <laughs> like this dude. I need him dead. And and you know I always talked about Lord Bolton. And sure, he betrays the Starks. And he thinks he's all badass, but that guy is a total useless tool. He doesn't even do anything. He just shows up at the wedding. He doesn't drink, and he kind of just sits back and lets, uh, you know, freaking Lord Walder Frey the pig do all the dirty work for him. I'm just so angry <laughs> at these two people, especially for killing a dire wolf. So angry. Yeah,
2: me too. I hate seeing animals die on screen or in life. I mean, it's really, it's terrible. And yeah, in the book, actually, there's a lot more with Grey Wind, like beforehand, like, the reason that uh he's in that pen at all is because he is basically freaking out as soon as they get there.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: you know, th- so there's a lot of foreshadowing there too, and it it uh you know, maybe that would have been too heavy handed for the show, I don't know. But well. they uh they forced they basically like Rob agrees that okay, Grey Wynn has to go in the pen because he's just
0: He's I don't really feel like I can control and... him yeah
2: he's it... gonna screw everything up with the with the phrase and I'm trying to you know be diplomatic here I don't want my wolf biting somebody by mistake and
1: yeah the reason why I thought only his wife would have something bad and terrible done to her was because earlier on Lord Walder Frey the pig the cushion sorry <laughs> um he tells her he's like I can see what's going on beneath a dress and so I just assumed that that she was wearing this dress because she didn't want anyone to know that she was pregnant, but he was able to tell that she was pregnant. And mm. that's why I just assumed that he would somehow kill her and or her baby, right? So right. I just thought that was a really clever part on the director and the writer. to so, Because it was, although we know something terrible is going to happen, there was all these little things to mislead us into thinking it was going to be something else. I mean, technically, she did get stabbed in the belly. And, you know, yes, that did happen, but so much more happened. So,
2: yeah.
3: The king in the north arises. Let him go, and I swear we will forget this. I swear it by the all gods and you. We will take no vengeance. You already swore me one oath right here in my castle. You swore by all the gods your son would marry my daughter. Take me for a hostage. But let Rob go. Rob, get up. Get up and walk out. Please. Please. And why would I let him do that? On my honor as a Tully, On my honor as a Stark. Let him go. Or I will cut your wife's throat. I'll find another. Mother, the Lannisters send their regards.
1: So, Kate, this is an episode heavily focused on the Stark family. All but one showed up. You know who didn't show up this week? Sansa. Right, because nobody cares about her, okay? Oh, uh, no. I love Sansa.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. No, she already had her wedding episode.
1: Yeah, I know. And, like, nobody cares about her this week at all. Wow. But, like, well, think about it. Like, I mean, I've been picking on Sansa for, like, the whole entire season. Last yes. Last week, I apologized about it. But So now I'm just sort of cracking jokes, but in all honesty, thinking about the episode last night, I'm like, wait a minute, like, would I have had the same emotional reaction if it was Sansa as opposed to Arya, or Sansa as opposed to Rob, or Sansa as opposed to Jon Snow? No, I don't think so. Oh, really
0: come don't. on, I I think you would have if it was Sansa instead of Rob. You, you really care more about Rob than you care about Sansa?
1: Well, I care about Arya more.
0: I mean, nobody really, we we didn't miss Sansa this week, but you know who else we didn't miss? Jamie and Brienne, and they're some of our favorite characters. And mm-hmm. so that just shows that, you know, this, this story is incredibly engaging, no matter who's involved with it. And, uh, we didn't need these other characters and their their inclusion would have been a distraction and so we don't even go to king's landing because we can't because the lannisters obviously know about this and so that would tip things off but also just because the storyline deserves this time and uh, there are the def- there are those who have been saying um they wish it had taken a similar approach to to blackwater where we just stayed on that storyline the whole time through and didn't have those other scenes around it Um, I actually disagree because then I think it's misleading. If you have the entire episode focused just on the wedding, then you know something big has to happen. Yeah, and you know, so I thought having these other sequences actually really helped um, get people's uh, expectations and play play with expectations a little bit, so that you think that the action set piece that you have in the north and then in the south are gonna be the big. Actiony things, and then when actually it's, it comes at the end of the episode. Curious what you guys think about that uh, and these other, you know, storylines with Danny and also with, with Jon Snow and a greet up north. And, of course, I'm sure you enjoyed the, the warging, Ricky. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, Kate, I'm actually going to agree with everything you said, especially by including the Danny sequences, because it made me believe that the big set piece was going to be revolving around the city of, and wait, I remember the name, I remember the name, Yung- Yonkai. Mm-hmm right? I got it right this week? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so I totally agree. But I still have to question the decision to put Sam in this episode because I actually totally forgot Sam was in the episode until someone talked about it on Twitter. I was like, oh, yeah, Sam was in this episode. What's up with that?" <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, I really like the um, the sequences that revolved around uh, 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 Danny because it's like we, we talked about Jura like in the last two episodes where I kind of Felt that his character was sort of useless, and they kind of lost focus on his character. And he was just always basically being the self doubter and always bitching and complaining, kind of being a nuisance to Danny, right? And in this episode, we do see his jealousy over, um, oh my god, I forget his name, all of a sudden over Dario. Mm-hmm. And so that's interesting because there's going to be you know a lot of tension being built up between those three characters now because clearly he has a great affection for Danny and he's clearly jealous of Dario. But what's great in this episode is we actually get to see his skills. We get to see him in action. We get to see him fight as opposed to just sitting around (laughs) or standing next to Danny and kind of being like, oh, that's not really a good idea. (laughs) You know, now we actually get to see how kind of badass he is. So that's one of the reasons why I like this sequence in this episode.
0: We also get to see that her strength as a leader and her her military might is not just her dragons. She does have these badasses that are leading her her army of ridiculously badass warriors as yeah. well. That's and it's good to have cool. that. Yeah, it's good. It's good to have a reminder of that. I think. How, how about uh, you, David? Did uh, did you appreciate those sequences as well, or would you rather have had more focus?
2: No, I think it worked exactly the way it was presented. Yeah, I don't think that we would have needed to have all 50 minutes devoted to the red wedding i think that would have been definitely yeah i mean it would have been counterproductive it would have just been too much of a tell and yeah i mean i guess we'd have to i mean i got if it worked for for rick then that that you know because i mean i knew i didn't a tell wasn't gonna make a difference to me either way but uh yeah just from the point of view of constructing an episode. And, I mean, there was a lot of interesting stuff that happened in there, too. I guess the Sam scene was sort of perfunctory, although I liked it. Um, but, I mean, certainly having the other Stark kids, uh, you know, doing cool stuff. Uh, you know, and I guess like, everyone's got to be happy with the progression that actually happened with Bran this time, uh, because I guess it... Was getting on people's nerves to some extent to see him just sit there and maybe have a little talk with Jojen and, and nothing <laughs> happens, but but like a lot of stuff happened this episode with Bran and uh, and I really think that that actor is doing a great job with that character. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. And and Rickon too. That that little that little guy did an awesome job this week.
0: They gave him like, yeah. words. <laughs> yeah,
2: and he, like, you know, he delivered them, you know, on target. There was a lot of emotion there that, yeah, I wasn't sure. Like, I was kind of thinking maybe they cast this guy and they were kind of sad they did because he was not developing as a human being or, you know, but now all of a sudden it seems like yeah, this, this kid can, has the chops to, uh, you know, who knows what his storyline is in the future, but...
0: Well, and I think it was important for us to see the dire wolves in action, yeah, in some way this week, to give Grey Wind's death more significance because we we're, weren't going to be able to see Graywind involved at at with any of the action or to really spend time with with him at the red wedding or in even beforehand, and so. Having the other wolves stand in for him in a way to show the threat of them, to th- show the loyalty, and uh, and to show that really the power of of those characters because we see them, you know, some, uh, Shaggy Dog and Summer being such badasses and such great allies, that translates to to Grey Wind. when we see. I I was convinced he was that uh, he was going to bang. You know, if I hadn't read the book, I would have assumed Arya was going to let him out and then he was going to go. Yeah. You know, or or he was gonna smash through those doors and take out some of the you know people or run off or something. And so I thought it was actually a really smart move to to put this part of both uh, John's story and also Bran and Rickon's story and and in the same episode as the wedding.
1: Well, but there was a lot of parallels between between each storyline revolving around the Stark children. Like you know, you think of like the direwolves as you just just mentioned but also you think about Jon Snow when he's asked to kill the older man he can't do it and then you cut to Arya where she stops the Hound from killing the older man and it just goes to prove that you know the Starks really are the heart and soul of this whole entire series like you know as much as we love dragons and giants and Danny and whatnot and even some of the Lannisters and Brienne and Jamie, it all revolves around the Stark family and you know it's It's just mind-blowing to think that this series can kill off, you know, not just Ned, but now Rob and, you know, Catelyn and, you know, God knows who's next. And, like, these characters play an important role within the series, within every episode, within the whole entire season. And it just makes it, like, it just makes us realize how much we actually care about these characters and... I don't know, like, uh, also, it, you know, explains a lot about them as a family, like, they're so loyal and so honorable, and you have to think back on Rob, and like, was he really a fool to think that nothing bad would happen to him if he went to the house of the phrase? and he actually, you know, sat back, and was he naive? I don't think so, because it's like, it's like you explained, Kate, there was that, the the tradition of, like, the bread and salt, and no Mm -hmm. one would ever think that someone would break that religious, like tradition whatever it is you know what i mean but they do it but how could you blame rob it's not like like they they were cautious you know like they made sure that they sat down and ate at the table and had the bread and salt they they, they did everything they could to keep their guard up and i don't think anyone no matter who it is would have thought that that would have happened to them. like it could have been the lannisters you know what i mean i mm-hmm. think the lannisters can be easily fooled into thinking that they're safe if someone invites them to your home for dinner and all of a sudden, they're like chopping off their heads. So, well, Rob
2: had no way of knowing that Roose Bolton had contacted the Lannisters through Jamie. And, you know, I mean, all kinds of stuff obviously happened behind the scenes that we don't know about mm-hmm. as viewers of the show. I mean, he couldn't have anticipated that. Well- and the massacre couldn't have happened without that rapprochement between. Uh, you know, some of the people that he thought were his bannermen that just aren't anymore because they've made a better deal, you
1: know? It, yeah, but I, I think that Ned and Rob are similar but also very different because Ned, I think Ned was naive. Like, yes. I, I, I think people actually warned Ned and he just wasn't willing to believe that his enemies would stoop so low and or maybe he just don't, did not want to stoop as low as his enemies. But Rob wasn't naive. Like, Rob had his guard up. It's just... I don't think anyone could have saw it coming. Like I don't think even you guys, when you have read the book, you actually oh. knew that it was going to happen. So, um, yeah, really, really tragic, sad wedding. <laughs> but <laughs> um, okay, okay, I got to go back to Brand. Okay, I've always liked these characters. I love, like I say, say each and every single week. I like the idea of a war, How they have like these psychic abilities. They can see into the future, or at least have visions. And I love the sequence, and I love the way it was directed. The sequence in which they are at the top of the tower, and, and there's a th- the uh, thunderstorm, and then um, Hodor starts freaking out, and the way he gets inside Holger, Hodor's like mind to kind of like calm him down, and afterwards the way it shows how powerful he can be, and the way he s- sort of gets into the mind of the direwolves, so they they attack and help Jon Snow and save the day, and then we get the sequence with the eagle. Which I thought was really creepy because I'm afraid of birds because I got attacked yeah. by birds once. Like, they can
2: hurt you. Yeah.
1: I got attacked by a flock of pigeons once. Okay. And that's why I get oh. terrified every, every, every time I watch. Hitchcock's The Birds Mm -hmm. and but it was just so well directed like David Nutter the guy who directed this episode did such a fantastic job I know it's his third episode he's directed The Game of Thrones but this is by far the best thing he's ever done in his whole entire career like I know this guy's directed like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure like the tv series but you know this in no way compares how great of a job he did here it's amazing
2: yeah no I mean and just the you know the near miss between Bran and Jon, and the near miss between Arya and you know Catelyn and Rob. I mean, it you know they amplify each other too. Just you know to keep with the yeah the Stark, the closeness of the Starks, and how much we feel the sort of chasm between them all. And yeah, it's it it was it was really well orchestrated to put all of those together. I think.
1: Kate, okay, what did you think about uh, John Snow this week?
0: I thought the sequence was very well handled. Uh, I thought it was great. I loved the execution of the fight sequence and also, of course, the performance from Rose Leslie as Greed I thought was fantastic. And um, just, you know, that's one that I very much remember and enjoyed in the books. And I thought they really captured, because, of course, as you're reading this, you're going, oh, my God, they're the brothers are you know, or half brothers are right next to each other and we've been in their minds and we know how lonely they are and how much they each miss their family. Why can't they you know <laughs> and I thought they really captured that um in not only the parting of Brandon Ricken, but also with with uh, Brand at least seeing John and knowing John is alive and knowing John is safe, even if it's weird that he's with the Wildlings. I know I thought that they really mm-hmm. captured that and as well as just the look on a great space as John leaves her behind was just devastating.
1: Yeah. We got some badass ass direwolf action in that sequence, um, which was amazing. But I'm just wondering if, if Rob is growing on you. Rob? Yeah. In this uh, episode? Sorry, not Rob, John. Is John growing on you? Like the character or at least the actor? Um, because, because you weren't so big on at least. No, the, the performance. And, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that he's not, required to do a lot in this episode besides be awesome <laughs> you know <laughs> he he has an action set piece but you know the the most conflicted he is at any point in this episode is is about killing the the old man and um and that's it and so, so i don't feel like my pro- problem with Jon snow last season and with parts of this season are when they it seems like they're giving him a lot to do or that maybe another actor would bring a lot of interesting levels to a performance, to physicality or a glance. But that doesn't come up in this episode. This episode, it's about his choice and his action more than his uh, reaction to what's around him. So I, I thought I was fine with it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised he just left Egrit behind like so easily. Like I don't know, I guess... There, was, there wasn't really much he could do, but it kind of felt like he didn't even think twice about maybe taking her along or even considering if maybe she wanted to tag along. Um, but right. at, at least we know his true allegiance stands with the Night Watch. Um, I, I like John Snow, I've always liked his character. I think he's really cool. And I also think the battle sequences at the uh, city of Yunkai were just incredibly well choreographed. I, I mean, I think that was a, maybe perhaps like a five-minute sequence, and I'm sure most people would have wanted to see more of that battle, but I thought it was just really well executed. I loved um, – you know, I, li- I like the idea of the three guys. Like you have um, Dario and you have – what's his name again? Grey Worm. Grey Worm, yeah. So you have Dario and you have Grey Worm, and then you have Jorah, and they all have different fighting styles and techniques, and they all have a different weapon – And I also like how they sort of tease the audience into into thinking that Dario actually died. And then you see the expression on Danny's face. And that's when we realize that she actually likes this guy. Um, So, yeah, that was pretty cool. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Jorah clearly wishes he could have told her how Dario perished in the assault. But uh, (laughs) it was was not to be. (laughs)
1: Um, So Bram is a warg. I, he has like sort of like psychic ability. He's not very good because he couldn't like foresee <laughs> like the death of Rob or his mom. He couldn't like see that. Like, well actually, no, wait. He's he,
2: he doesn't have it's Jojen that should have foreseen that yeah, if sorry. anyone. Well, yeah, you're
1: right. But but he did know that Jon Snow was outside. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He he we what we've seen from him at this point is the ability to enter the mind of his wolf and in in his, while he's asleep, that's what we've seen from him prior to this episode, this episode, um, without actively intending to, he enters the mind of, of Hodor and calms him. And then he, he, chooses to enter the mind of his wolf and is able to do that that's what we've seen from him that's all we've seen from him and then he has these strange dreams every now and again with the three-eyed raven jojen has talked about seeing the things that have happened in the past are going to happen or that are currently happening in other parts of the world we've never heard Bran say anything about that right so he's chasing the raven from his dreams that's what he's up to at this point
1: you know, in Disney movies, how cats are always evil, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in sick Disney movies. It, it seems like in the series of Game of Thrones, it's birds. Birds are evil. Dog- <laughs> See, dogs are always cool. Dogs are always good. But in this series, it's the birds. Birds are evil. Like, I'm telling you, I was frightened when I, I was terrified, terrified when I saw the eagle attacking Jon Snow. I thought it was going to bite off his ear or his eye. I mean, like, if Jaime Lannister can lose his hands and Ned Stark can lose his, like, head, I'm sure he can lose an eyeball to an eagle. <laughs> guaranteed
0: well then what is it what do you think about brand's decision to try to find the raven um if birds are always evil well i thought about that and i'm not sure <laughs> because
1: <laughs> I, I mean i guess in a way you see it's tricky because he made a decision to leave his uh leave um rick on right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he's sending him back to follow Jon Snow and find Rob and his mom, but they are now dead, and Jon Snow's by himself, and he's in trouble. So he's trying to protect Rickon, but technically he's sending them in the wrong direction, and then he's heading north of the Wall, or to the Wall, right? To find the three-eyed raven, whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. But I'm assuming it's the right decision.
0: Well, he's (laughs) sending Rickon to their bannermen, the Umbers, which is not... he's not sending them after Jon,
2: the northernmost uh, castle.
1: Okay, but yeah. it's not in the same direction as like the Frey castle. No. Okay, because I was like worried that he was sending him in the wrong direction, and that kid would just get killed too. But, well, um, he might, but
2: yeah, no, I mean, no, it's not. He's not sending him into the arms of the phrase no.
1: Yeah, I don't know, Kate. I, I would like to speculate about the bird, but uh, I, I don't <laughs> see a happy ending for anyone, like, anymore. I think this show's going to end on, like, the most sour, depressing note. Like, I think come season seven, I'm just going to wish I never watched the app. The like, there's going to be no one left alive, except for maybe Joffrey or something. like, <laughs> <laughs> piss us off. Um... Yeah, but, I don't know. I I've always said like my my favorite characters are for whatever reason like uh, the Wargs. Like I I just love these guys. So
2: <laughs> it's a cool thing to imagine to be able to to be that much in sync with your your pet that you can enter their minds and then I guess. To take over your giant manservant is pretty cool, too. I mean, <laughs> this is unprecedented, apparently. Like, uh, according to all the Westeros lore, wargs never took over humans before. So, mm-hmm. yeah, who knows where this is headed?
1: I'm worried about Aria. She, she tells Alan, she's like, Someday I'm gonna put a sword right through your eye and out the back of your skull. I'm like, Oh my god
2: she's visualizing some pretty nasty things i know
1: well
0: she says her god is death (laughs) yeah so yeah it'll be it'll be so it'll be so interesting um seeing where they go with a few of these characters because of course in the books osha is not a point of view character Uh, Rickon is briefly right david but he's really not one of the main point of view characters not yet
2: anyway i mean who knows yeah future but yeah. so
0: it'll be interesting to see if we even check in with them uh, they may if, just be out of the know, series
2: yeah they, they, may, <laughs> we,
0: they may just come back a season because we saw what happened when they checked in with Theon when he disappeared from the books and <laughs> they changed, yeah. like well let's keep in touch with Theon instead we just got <laughs> unending scenes of torture uh, maybe that won't happen uh, in the next in the next season, maybe they maybe they'll learn from that and just kind of check in on Rickon and Osha when it's next important to everything else, um, or maybe they'll come up with something else. I, I'm really looking forward to, to that element of it. What are you guys looking forward to in in the finale, or what are your predictions or your hopes for the finale? I want
1: that pig of a man to get his head chopped off after he's castrated. Although he did, deliver, he, he did deliver the funniest moment of the episode when he was trying to remember names of all his daughters and granddaughters. And oh, was it like, was great. Wilma, Wil, Wilfred, William. It's Mary.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, for me, I guess I don't know what I'm expecting from, from the last episode. I mean, I, I I guess I'm looking forward to seeing how all of this plays out in King's Landing, how the you know how Tyrion reacts to this news. I mean, he presumably wasn't in on it, and when it went, and you know, just I guess in general, finding out how the people that we didn't see this week how they how they react to the news. I, I imagine it's going to cast a pall over, or you know, I guess for some of them they'll be just celebrating because they're inhuman, but. uh <laughs> <laughs> Ty, I mean, Tywin will be happy. I'm sure that it all worked out. And, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I think I saw on Twitter someone who did see what's coming up next week on the sort of next week on thing, said that we we get to see some Iron Islanders again. Mm-hmm. So that'll be interesting. I, I I I kind of I'm I'm fascinated by that plot line. So.
0: Well, I think they need to do something with Theon in the finale. If that—that's yeah. that's my only thing that I feel like needs to happen in this finale. Yeah. Or, or I'll be kind of pissed off, which is, you know, because we spent so much time watching Theon get tortured. If there's not a resolution to some extent with that in the finale, then it will have felt completely extraneous and waste and, and a waste of time and just there to for us to. Watch someone get tortured. So, and I expect the I trust the writers, you know, David Benioff and DB Weiss, that they are going to do something with Theon next week that will move his storyline forward and pay off, you know, the, all the sequences we got from him earlier. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with with it. I, I I'm expecting that we don't check in with, um, certainly not with Rickon, maybe with Bran, but I could easily see him not being in this episode. Um danny i would expect maybe a little bit but not necessarily a lot i really feel like it's gonna focus very heavily on uh king's landing i, I do you guys yeah. think we're, we'll even check in with uh Arya next week
2: it doesn't seem necessary i i guess that feels like a season ender for her like going off with the hound and mm-hmm. start some new adventures next season I mean,
0: yeah. That's I such think...
2: a great pairing too. I really like those two together. I think
0: the traveling really... companions always yeah. seem to go well.
1: Yeah, but I think we really need a big hippie episode on Danny next week. Like guaranteed. Uh I think we need to see dragons. We need to see her in action, her army in action. Um I we might get Sam. I mean, apparently he's a wizard now, right? He's always wanted to be a wizard, so <laughs> <laughs> who knows what could happen. No, but in all seriousness, like I was thinking about this, like we do a Walking Dead podcast, and like reflecting back on our Walking Dead podcast and everything we've said, positive or negative, about the show, and thinking about all the characters that have died in that show, like you can (laughs) combine all of those emotional beats and those emotional devastating moments, and it doesn't even come close to being as powerful as the ending of this episode. And when I think back on season two, the penalty penultimate episode of season two blackwater okay. like that was a fantastic episode it probably had the biggest action set piece and like you know um but it nowhere it comes close to being has rewarding for me personally as a viewer has this episode so for me i honestly personally think this is i don't know if i can call it the best episode of the series so far but it's definitely in the top three so i don't mm-hmm. know like what they can do next week to you know wow me but I'm excited, but no more weddings. I'm done with weddings. For the entire year. <laughs> Seriously. I'm so glad none of my friends are getting married because I wouldn't show up.
0: <laughs> I would love for there to be a wedding next week. Yeah, because there really, are supposed
2: to be more coming, right? There's supposed to yeah. be
0: more. Um,
2: well, there's two left. Yeah.
0: And uh, the book readers know what I'm talking about, but it really looks like they're going to push that to next season, and that's such a disappointment to me because I've been looking forward <laughs> to it so much. But uh, they do need, you know, if they're going to split book three into two seasons, they do need something for next season besides the uh, the goings-on at the wall. So, um mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that's my only – I guess that's my wish list for next week, but I don't think it's going to happen. Do we have any final thoughts on the episode or the season?
2: Well, I guess – I mean, I, one thing I wanted to to throw in, which I think is I, – I found kind of remarkable, but maybe I shouldn't have been so surprised. Like, I was seeing a lot of things on Twitter with people saying that's it, they're done with Game of Thrones after this episode because it was too – too brutal, or you know, how can I keep watching a show that kills off all its characters? And and I I've you know I, I do find that quite shocking because like you know, going back to what Rick was saying about Blackwater, that was an amazing episode, but I don't think it would have been as amazing an episode if we hadn't had season one where Ned is killed. Like you wouldn't have watching Blackwater and and not fearing that, you know, all kinds of our favorite characters are going to die, it wouldn't have been as interesting. And so you need the pendulum to swing back and forth. Like, it turns out most people, like, um, nobody we really cared about actually did die in Blackwater. No. Uh, not even Davos. But uh, but they, the fact that we we felt in our, our bones that they could have... Uh, is what made that episode so great. And if you don't have episodes that actually do kill off important characters, then you won't get so wound up by by something that actually does wind up, you know, resolving differently and preserving the characters that we care about.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's a matter of why do people watch the show? Some people just, it's like in the interview that Kate brought up with uh, EW, where he he spoke about, when he wrote the book and a lot of book readers stopped reading the series because they they just felt it was too much. Right. Right. Sometimes, you know, I mean, I don't know how it's like in the book, but it was pretty, pretty intense when they repeatedly stab the pregnant oh, yeah. lady. I mean, she's pregnant and they're stabbing her in the belly. I mean, not a lot of people want to watch it. Uh, no, not a lot of people want to watch that type of gore and blood or something so incredibly gruesome on television. So I can kind of understand why someone might cons- consider continuing watching the show uh personally like i think that because it's getting such a strong reaction from viewers that's a good thing like yeah you, you know what i mean that that is a good thing but i can't hold it against somebody if they don't if they want to stop watching the show because it's too bloody and too violent um because mm-hmm. yeah some people just don't want to see it. i mean not you know not everybody likes horror movies for example but <laughs> no. so i mean if 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 if, if we saw a sequence as bloody and gruesome has the wedding sequence each and every single week. I'm pretty sure most people would stop watching.
2: No, of course that. Yeah. Well then it wouldn't have the impact that it does anyway. Mm -hmm. It would just be.
1: But, but there's a reason why fairy tales are so popular, you know, even if it's the same form formulaic story uh, that you've seen or been told or read about over and over throughout the years, because people just like happy endings and it's kind of escape from reality. So, But for me, this is like the kind of TV I want to watch, you know, (laughs) better than dynasty.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Certainly. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on to talk with us. Uh, Where can our listeners find you online?
2: Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, I mean, I guess mostly these days, uh, I've been doing a a fair bit of writing for sound on site doing, I was doing a bunch of festival coverage and hopefully we'll be doing more. Um, I've done. I've got you know my own blog. It's called Anna Gramsci, which is a reference to politics and pop culture, and uh, <laughs> Gramsci, who's a political theorist. And I've uh, got a sort of podcast that I do with my friend Gareth Hedges. It's called the Gaze Agenda. G A Z E. Um, it's about film, but we uh, we don't really do it frequently enough for it to be much of a thing yet, but we're hoping to actually start doing it at least every two weeks. And we've talked about, you know, Hollywood genre. We talk about classic movies, especially, but, you know, we're supposed to do a show on The Great Gatsby at some point soon. Hopefully that will actually happen. But I'm sort of around. I'm out there in lots of different venues, ranting about (laughs) comics and movies and anything else that crosses my eye.
0: Good times, good times. <laughs> well again thank you so much for coming on everyone thank you for listening again we as we say from time to time we would very much appreciate if you uh, would go to iTunes and leave us a rating or a review it does help other people find the show Um, we'll of course have a post up at Sound on site I'm sure there are going to be lots of people who are going to want to talk about uh, this episode of Game of Thrones so Simon should have his review up Um, if not by the time you hear this then early Tuesday I'm sure it'll be up so you can leave thoughts there and you can leave thoughts on this post as well and And um, next week, we'll talk about the the finale. And I'm going to probably butcher this word, but Misa, Misa, M-H-Y-S-A, is the title of the finale. And again, this is written by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss and directed by David Nutter. So I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week. So come on back. And thank you for listening.
3: Don't worry. They're still there.
0: I know they're still there.
3: You check every five minutes like you're afraid they're going to move. I'm not afraid. Of course you are. You're almost there. And you're afraid you won't make it. The closer you get, the worse the fear gets. No point in trying to hide behind that face. I know fear when I see it. Seen it a lot. I knew fear when I saw it in you. You're afraid of fire. When Beric's sword went up in flames, you looked like a scared little girl. And I know why, do. I heard what your brother did to you. Press your face to the fire like you're a nice, juicy mutton chop. I'll give you some ideas. Might do. Go ahead then. You might get away. Might even make it there on your own. They're just over the river. Close as you've been to family since Ellen Payne snipped your daddy's neck. Someday, I'm gonna put a sword through your eye and out the back of your skull. And who are you? The proud Lord said that I must bow so low. Only a cat of a different coat that's all Bye.